and welcome to Not So Peter Priest's podcast, the podcast where a gay veteran and his emotional support Canadian scream into the void about the Mormon Church. If you want to reach us, we are on Instagram at Not So Peter Priesthood. And you can email us at notsopeterpriesthood at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy! Bye! So, um, we, for listeners, it's like, a, it hasn't been a long, like, a long time, I mean, it hasn't been a long time since we've talked, but, um, there's listeners, so you know, we did, uh, it's been a few weeks since Shelby and I have talked, and Dusty is not here for the rest of the last portions of this, but, um, uh, Shelby is here still to, um, tell more of her story, and apparently this is where things take a turn but like for the better and um (laughs) it's been a long journey for you and it's been incredible to hear your story um and like dusty and i have both echoed a lot and we've had conversations offline about your story and how incredible it is like what you've been through and like to see you and to be like wow she's been through so much but she's still you know she's still you know living a normal life i mean i don't know quote unquote or <laughs> however you want to go with that but she's um you to look at you you wouldn't tell and to talk yeah. to you, you wouldn't be able to tell that you're you've been through so much but um and that's a that's a credit to your strength and um i just want to keep that in mind as we continue but i will let you we left off with you're in college and uh you had gone back home correct and then um yeah, we can just continue with that. Yeah, so to lay a little bit of groundwork, too, so it makes maybe more sense. Because it's, it's, when you're telling a story like this more organically and you don't really have like a, you know, I'm not, I'm not reading from a written account. There can be some details. I'm like, I'm not sure where to fit this in, so I'm going to fit this in now. So along all the craziness, you know, before and the things I explained with like my ex and and family and and things like that um I did have a very constant person in my life um and it was my nana my mom's mom so she throughout the whole time she never gave up on me she didn't really know the full extent of how bad things were all the time because I kind of wanted to shield her from that um but she was always so supportive and and she was the person that I would, I could talk to pretty much about anything. Um, and she knew that I wasn't in the church anymore. And, and she still didn't think any less of me. I was able to um, start seeing her more when I was a teenager, like every summer for like a week or so with my other siblings, um, visiting an aunt and uncle who had like a a rural kind of farm in Iowa and so I was able to actually like see her more and I think that started laying more groundwork for like I don't know like self-love and like remembering kind of who I was because for the longest time I felt like my identity was just stripped and like I couldn't talk about my mom I couldn't talk about anything and the qualities I did have you know I was made to feel like they weren't weren't good um, or they were difficult or, um, you know, things like that. But she kind of started to remind me who I was. Well, that's good. It's good to have that support system. And I thought it was interesting something you said, I, not to interject too much here, but um, the that you wanted to shield your, your Nana from, like, all the other stuff. And I, I think that's interesting that like a teenager is doing you had that forethought to to be like I don't want to shield her from so I guess maybe speak more to that like what was the so she didn't know about my self-harm or like my my the pill addiction um if she asked about um certain things that were going on in the home like I wouldn't lie to her but I wouldn't oh I wouldn't like uh give too much detail unless she really wanted it. I just, 
she was already so heartbroken that we were taken from her and that my mom passed the way she did. And I just didn't want, I didn't want to have her worry even more than she probably already was. So I never like, never lied to her, but I never went out of my way to be like, Oh, by the way, like (laughs) today, my dad yelled at me about this or, you know, like that. She already knew, like she already knew my dad was like a difficult person and she loved my dad. Um, but she, she said that she would, (laughs) she said she loved my dad, but she would understand why I wouldn't want to live with my dad. (laughs) It was very (laughs) difficult. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, I always thought that was kind of amazing how she could, I don't know, forgive him and, and have that empathy and grace for him and still know who he was and, like, have that boundary, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she, her being in my life, even though, like, after my mom died, it was more difficult uh, to be in contact work consistently and things like that. And seeing her was, it took a long time. Um, it kind of. I think was a key piece in my journey uh, because I was getting like little tiny seeds planted into me that like, Oh, I am lovable. I am like the way I am is okay. Or, or not even okay. It's great. Or like she would celebrate those things. And like, you know, the idea that I was similar to my mom wasn't this horrible thing. Um, That's good. And she, she magnifies so those good qualities about you than the rather than like focusing on the, mm-hmm. the and so you want to it sounds like you want to protect that portion and like not like not just protect her but you're the protecting this um you want to like you saw that because through her you saw yourself in a positive mm-hmm. light and so that was that's um yeah you I also want, want her to work even more than she already probably was and um, you know, like I said, I would have relied her, but I wasn't going to be like, oh, this happened today or, yeah. you know, <laughs> this is through this of this sibling or, you know, <laughs> I knew she was already worried, I don't know, and, um, but she, she started really, or was the person that I think saved me in a lot of ways, like in a way, like she didn't even realize and, and kind of laid a foundation up for me to find myself again and to learn to trust and and I would yeah and I was I would also say for my best friend who's not Mormon and her family as well laid that for me like I never overshared anything with them so I just I you know I was so conditioned and scared to share a lot about what happened I mean they knew they knew for a while like oh my mom passed and things like that but they never pushed and they just loved me for who I was and and like their home was a safe space. And I think that also made a huge difference. And then, you know, probably it may be a few or handful of some of the Mormon friends I had that their families were a little bit more healthy and normal, you know, seeing that and having those places to go help too. But I would definitely say my Nana was the one that probably laid the foundation for me to kind of be like, oh, okay, like, I'm lovable. I can do good things. I can do great things. And um, it was always a dream of mine to want to go to Ireland for, you know, just whenever, however. And she went with my mom in 97. So like a few or more years, let's see, maybe maybe six years before my mom died, I guess. Um, And they had just a wonderful time. And she would share like her journals that she would with me and pictures and and all these things and and when I found out that there was a study abroad program and this is when I decided to move home for the next year of college um one of the reasons I decided to move home aside from my crazy ex being controlling and and things like that um but I had the my idea in my mind like oh like you know I can maybe I can save money and do this and she was so like over the moon supportive and excited for me like at that point I got you know accepted into the art program more and she was very interested in my art nobody else was (laughs) she was like the only person I would share my art with really like I didn't even really share it much with like most friends um and uh I could feel that because uh sorry to um 
first of all, Ireland is one of my well, top on my list. It's been on my list forever to go visit. But um, I, I do. Um, and also, like you speaking about art and like sharing with people, it's such a. As an artist myself, like it's um, it's hard to and like as a writer, you know, it's hard to like share those things because it is a piece of you. Like mm-hmm. um, it becomes very personal as an artist. So. The fact that you had that safe space speaks highly of of her and your your relationship with her is that you were willing to share that piece of you with her. Oh yeah, and like it could be like not even it could be like super ugly and she'd be like, oh this is great. Like she <laughs> she had stuff from when I was like in elementary school, like art things I would make like uh, like ter- you know like little kid like not technically very well done, but she like loved it and treasured it and it just it was it was foreign to me. But I think, like I said, it, it it was kind of the catalyst for a lot of my healing and kind of finding myself and, uh, and yeah, and um, she just, yeah, she was always so interested and she was excited that I wanted to study art. Like, no one else really was. <laughs> uh, my ex was not. No. My dad was not really, um, you know. It's so weird. Like, I look back and I'm like, that's a huge red flag. But, like, my ex was like, I don't even like art. I don't understand it. But yours is okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, so it was Your very manipulative. He appreciate would appreciate that piece of this. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, from what I know of him, it doesn't surprise me. But <laughs> that's just a narcissistic thing. Like, he just, you know, if it wasn't something about him, like, he didn't like it, you know, or. Uh, he just, yeah. So have yeah. you always been, um, like, expressive through art? Like, as a, even, like, how was your relationship with art when your mom was alive? Was she yeah. supportive? Uh, and, oh, absolutely. I mean, my mom was an pa- oil painter. She did a lot of landscapes and flowers and things like that. And she oh, that's would right. We talked about that. A she lot of symbolism, yeah, with flowers. Like, she was really interested in, like, what each flower like meant and and kind of like she has there's one painting I think it's on my dad's maybe I can get it one day um and there's like a certain type of I want to say it's a viola flower and there's like one for each of the kids and they're different heights and and colors and things um I think she had that desire to share like deeper parts of herself but she had it in a very subtle way, you know. So I grew up watching her paint. Um, yeah, she also had that painting of you on by the beach, right? That you. Yeah, she never got to finish it, um, yeah. but I still have it. It's actually hanging in my studio, and for me, um, because miraculously, it's like one. This is one of the things that survived from my life, like <laughs> you know, um, that didn't get lost, and so I couldn't bring it with me, you know, directly. Georgia when I first moved there and and it kind of symbolizes to me like I'm not done either and there's like more out there even if I can't see like what's out there like in the scene you know I'm looking out into the ocean and like there's like distance kind of fog that's kind of how I treat my life is like I'm not done yet either um you know there's there's more out there and um that's kind of how I see it and it's most people That's probably know it's not completely finished, I guess, if you're not, like, an artist. But she didn't, like, one of the straps on my dress I don't think was on there or something. I don't know. But I know she wasn't done. Um, but, yeah, so that means a lot to me. And and uh, my Nana was, of course, super supportive of, like, my mom's art, too, and anything my mom would do. And... Uh, that's kind of where I got interested in it in the first place. And then when I started, you know, wanting to get out of the dark, deep hole I was in, um, that's when I started doing a lot of art in high school and things like that to kind of just get, you know, have a space to share those things. And no, they weren't like technically beautiful or anything like that, but that's kind of where it got started. And and when I got into college, they were like, well, what do you like to do? What are you interested in? That was the only thing I could think of, really. I mean, that I felt passionate about, like, 
mean, the only other thing I could see that I would have done would maybe like social justice stuff, but I ended up doing that for a little bit anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so I did art and psychology and then oh, cool. my mom was super excited. Not my mom, my Nana was super excited and I got into the program. That's when I learned there was the study abroad in Ireland for like a summer and you would study watercolor and Irish literature and all this amazing stuff. And I was like, oh man, that would just, that would just be amazing. And I, and you know, I think it's interesting when you open your heart and your mind to something and you really want it because then you start seeing signs for it everywhere. And like, I would see these posters for it, like small posters and just random random parts of like the university just like screaming to me like go you know uh, <laughs> and then my, my best friend who ended up going to a different university maybe like an hour or more away from mine she saw the same poster in her school so she told me and I was like oh my gosh are you like is it the same program is it like could we go together because we always wanted we talked about going together just as kids you know and she knew how important it was to me. And it's sure enough, it was. Um, it's just they happened to be in the same university system. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we both applied. And I started working like I was going to school full time, commuting to school and probably working three or four different jobs. <laughs> I kept myself very busy because I wanted to not only make money, but I also just kind of. I needed to not have my ex try to eat up more time than he already was in a subconscious way. I just wanted to be away, like I, away from him. Um, and just have, you know, that hope that like I could do this because he wasn't supportive. So I didn't really like to talk to him about it for a while. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I, you know, got different nannying jobs and tutoring jobs that just kind of ended up working around perfectly with my school schedule. I don't really know how I did it, honestly. I look back and I'm like, good thing I was young because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, And uh, yeah, I ended up saving a good amount of money. I got um, a couple scholarships and, um, and I was like, OK, well, maybe I can do this. So I applied. Got into the program. I was super excited and it gave me just like, I don't know, like this hope. And I had this feeling like my life was never going to be the same. And it felt good. But then I, it started to kind of, I got anxiety from it because my ex didn't approve and, and I was kind of having an internal battle of like, you know, part of you knows this isn't the right thing for you. Part of you knows, like, he's wackadoo, you know. <laughs> um, and you That's deserve to have, for it. <laughs> deserve to have, you know, like, a happy life. But I didn't know what that would look like. And I, I still was battling with the idea of, like, did I deserve that? Did I deserve those things? Um, so it was kind of an internal battle. And then he, around the same time, let me know he got, like, a kind of internship or something with a accounting firm in Arizona and then when he told me that I felt so relieved I was like <laughs> I was like he's gonna be gone maybe this will be like where I can you know safely this be your escape kind yeah, of safe. yeah but like an easy kind of, out yeah like a safely get out of it because I was scared of him I mean he's yeah. kind of scary, scary like I he would drive super recklessly just to scare me like Ew. he just the stuff he would say and do, like, I just, you know, I didn't, I wouldn't admit it to myself at that time, but I was, like, scared of him, so it was just, I was trying to figure out, you know, if I were to get away, how could I do it, and um, so when that all lined up, I was like, oh, okay, cool, and he wasn't happy, of course, he's like, I hate traveling, I hate all this stuff, like, I don't, you don't need to be doing that, and, and I was like, well, I'm doing it anyway, and it was, like, one of the first times, like, I didn't care like what the consequence quote would be. I was like, well, I'm doing it. Like I just felt this strength in me. Like I was just like, I'm just gonna do it. Like doesn't matter what you think. 
And I think that's when he started to realize how I was I was pulling away and like that I was serious and because during all this too, like while I'm working and getting ready to apply for this opportunity and and you know going to school and all that, like I was still going to therapy. I was talking to my therapist, who I think was like hoping <laughs> silently, like or like you know subtly that I would get away from him. You know, she's scared for me too. I think, but um. You know, I was getting more confidence in myself. Like I was trying to figure myself out more. Like I, and that scared him. And I think that's why things did get, you know, really bad with him at the end. Because the more I got healthy, the worse he got. Exactly. Because abusers don't want their abused, their victim to be, they want them to be weak and they don't when they see them finding themselves, they're like, oh, I'm losing control. I'm losing exactly. this power. It's like the um, just like, oh, well, like if she's stronger or she's better, like she doesn't need me. Mm-hmm. But in his weird, sick way. Yeah, because they got to keep you subdued and um, under their thumb. So oh, and it's harder right. to do that when you're yeah. you're actually having confidence in yourself and you're actually making your own decisions. Mm-hmm. And then- <laughs> And uh, this is, like, insane, but uh, it was, like, before he was going to go out there to Arizona, and I was still, like, it was, like, probably the semester before I would go for my summer abroad. His mother decided to pay for our premarital counseling, and I was forced to go to this said premarital counseling. (laughs) What? With an LDS counselor but it wasn't at LDS family services it just happened to be an LDS counselor which of course is what she would have wanted right even though I'm like even though I'm like you seriously like your son is so far you know removed from that but I guess she just claimed he was a good therapist but I was I remember being told that and I'm like so do I not get like a say or like like, I have to like I thought it was a joke and no it wasn't a joke (laughs) And uh, I kind of got, you know, like, put down very much so emotionally to where, like, I gave in and decided, okay, I'll go with them, whatever. Oh. And, uh... Premarital counseling. Uh, so, uh, the thing that kills me about that, not not only is it, like, she's getting involved, the mom's getting involved and like, trying to make you, like, she can't see somehow to the wool. Maybe she does, but, like, the wool's pulled over her eyes of how her son is. But, like, premarital counseling, why would you need, Mm -hmm. like, I could, I'm all for therapy, but, like, if the relationship isn't working before marriage, like, even during marriage, but, like, before marriage, like, just fucking end it. (laughs) My thing is, like, what the heck was he telling her, like, and I learned this later, but he he had it in his mind, which is so crazy to me. He had it in his mind that he thought I said if he finished school and had a job that I would marry him. I never said that in my life, ever. I never even said any. Yeah, he just had it in his mind. So he, like, was he so mad at me. Person yeah, stuff. he was so yeah. mad at me when he graduated school that I didn't want to get married to him so apparently that's the only reason he went to school that so it's like all my fault and I don't, who knows what he was telling his mom like there's so many stories like i could share about that woman but i don't have the time but she, <laughs> always, she was always so like weirdly involved like yeah. so like toxic and like everything was always my fault or Oh, it's because you went through trauma and you're you're the, you know, abused animal. Like my you know, my son's just trying to save you or help you kind of attitude and I think that's um it's interesting. was she they're Mormon, correct, right? They're Mormon, yes. I feel like that's like some internalized misogyny of like Oh yeah. Like the patriarchy has to be like you just always defer to the husband, and so her son mm-hmm. can't be the one that's, you know, the problem. It's obviously you, because, yeah. like... And I don't yeah. know if I mentioned this, but, like, when I first started dating him, she told me, like, oh, I remember you from your dad's first wedding, how sad you were, and I comforted you. But now that you've chosen my son, um, I can't be your friend. I can't, like, be anything for you. 
What does that even mean? I know. I know. Like she just she <laughs> like I I was enemy from day one, you know? Like Oh. I know. It she it's so weird though because she definitely like wore the pants, I guess you would say, in their marriage. Like his dad is such a nice guy and I still don't understand to this day like how the hell he married this woman. <laughs> Because he's so, like, nice and passive, and, like, he's, like, what I wish my ex was, like, oh. like for sure. Um, but, like, yeah. No, he he let this woman just rule the house and, like, be in charge, pretty much. But, like, my ex would claim, oh, my dad would, like, talk to her in private and stuff. I'm like, I doubt it, seriously. I mean, and the the dad was going through some health stuff, so I'm sure that was, you know, made it. And, like, who knows what he saw, you know what I mean? Like, she could present however she wanted. Like, I don't know. She is just, she's, like, I say this, you know, like, because it's true. Like, she definitely is, like, crazy. Like, not even just, like, oh, they're crazy. No, she really, she's really nuts. Um, So, yeah, she... (laughs) She prepaid for a certain amount of sessions for premarital counseling. I was forced to go to. Jeez. Um, and basically it turned into like, oh, you have to do these personality tests. And I'm like, sure. But then it just turned into how I'm the problem and how I'm the reason there that I'm like, like what? Like basically it turned to like, why am I not ready to get married kind of crap? And, like, I remember being so close, so close, because he just kept making everything about what I was doing or not doing. Mm -hmm. I had a note, and I was going to leave it for this therapist. Because there were certain moments where I felt like the therapist, like, I think he kind of saw. The dynamics. Something was wrong. Yeah. Um, And I was going to leave a note saying, like, He's, like, abusing me, raping me. Please help me. But my ex saw that I had something, and I just didn't want to. And, like, I had no way to put it down. Like, I had no privacy. So I I ended up not doing it. And, like, there was one moment where I was really close to, like, outing him. And I almost said it during, like, one of the sessions because he kept trying to paint me, like, in this way that's just not true like just very manipulative like trying to gaslight me like oh this never happened and I don't do this and it's all you like you're really the problem you know mm-hmm. why this isn't working and <laughs> and I just wanted to be like oh do you want to tell him what you know what you try to force me to do all the time and then he got like really you know oh quiet and the therapist wanted me to elaborate on that and we ran out of time but um, I think after that time, I was like, I'm not going anymore. I'm done. Uh, not doing this. And yeah, it was just such a waste of whatever Saturday afternoons my life. <laughs> well, the to think of the like, you see, you're seeing this glimpse of like. I have this self-confidence, I have this future, I have this trip, that I, like this, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, I can't think of the word, you said it before, the um, study abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, you have these, this thing, you know, this future that you see without him, and then you're like trapped in these therapy sessions, yeah. your abuser, and then like the, just that, uh, the image of your desperation of like trying to just pass a note to your therapist to be like, I I can't imagine being that like at such a like end of your rope is what it sounds like. You're just like, okay, I have to like, but you're just seeing like any opening you can to be like, somebody help me. Yeah. (laughs) I just like, I, it was almost like my mind that like knew like, okay, like, I don't know how, but I got to get out of this. But I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Um, how? Because <laughs> um, yeah. there's just, I mean, these are just, this is just like one of the big things that tipped me off, you know. But like yeah. he, he's, he, he's done or has did so many manipulative, mentally abusive things through the whole time. 
but for some reason this got me. I was like, we're not even like, excuse me, fucking married. And you're wanting to do this. Like, this is insane. Like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. And like, he just was so, I think he knew he was, he knew that I was catching on and like, not like he was going to probably like lose me. Yeah. But I was getting over, I was over it. I just, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of like the sexual abuse, non-consensual, aka rape, still would happen to me. Um, but it it was bothering me in a different way than it did before. And like, like I was saying, I was trying to fill up my time with working and school. That's what I did to try to get through all that. And he would still like come to like my dad's house where I was living at the time. I'm not even invited. I always show up, just assume he could come. He never wanted to do anything. He just wanted to like almost keep me in a room and just like watch TV and basically do whatever he wanted to do with me. And, and I hated it. I was just, I don't know. I was starting to see a light and I was like, I'm not going to lose that like light. You know, I got to get through this. So I, I, uh, yeah, I was like not doing this premarital crap anymore. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going, I'm going no matter what you say, like, whatever. Like, and I even told him, like, don't you even dare think about trying to fly over there when I'm over there. Don't try, don't go over there thinking like you're gonna need to propose to me because I'm not doing it. You know, that really made him mad because I guess that, but that was something he was maybe gonna do. Jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I he already had bought like the ring and stuff without even asking me. He was wanting to lock this in. He was wanting to like own me, you know. And I was, and it's all my fault for his misery. Um, and so, yeah, I got through that semester. I say I had enough money to get a cheap Frontier flight to Utah to see my nana before I went to Ireland. So I got to spend like a week with her and it was like a beautiful like springish summer in Utah and I remember just feeling like I felt like I was back home like I it was just like a really beautiful like, week for me to be with her. I mean she had a tiny apartment and you know it wasn't like like a glamorous like you know vacation but it was just like spending time with her mm-hmm. like going through pictures going on walks um I got to visit like my mom's grave and like the first time since she died because it wasn't covered with snow and um, just a lot of talking and conversation and just hope for the future and um, it was just a really amazing way to start my summer and kind of like I I felt so lucky that I got to see her before I went on that trip you know because I at the time, I was like, well, you know, she's older. I, you just never know. Like, I still, I just want to make sure. But she, you know, she gave me, like, different maps and documents that she had when she was there and, like, places to go. And oh. it was just really special. Yeah. And and I, you know, went home. And, uh, and like, I think it was, like, mid-June. I think I actually looked at the calendar and the day of my son's birth is the same day I left for Ireland that summer. So oh, wow. All kind of weirdly... Like a... Like a... Lined. Full circle yeah. type thing. Uh-huh. Like a... Oh, yeah, so it wasn't cool. even a due date or anything, but that was... It all just kind of... There's a lot of parallels, but um. anyway, so... It, I got we were really excited. Well, like, Brent and uh, I like, went shopping for different things, and, you know, at the time, I was wearing pretty like you know baggy not showy clothes in my attempt to maybe protect you want to look less attractive to your abuser right yeah, so exactly. to your ex so yeah, exactly. um and um not that it did anything by the way yeah. i mean i couldn't he wouldn't even dance with me at my prom in high school because he would get too turned on like he wouldn't dance with me he wouldn't go to the pool with me because if he saw me in a swimsuit He'd be too turned on. He was just cuckoo. Oh. So. Okay. So 
<laughs> Sorry to touch on this. Uh-huh. But, oh my god! Like I, I just can't. Like that goes back to like I don't know. Like I keep thinking of like the psychology of that. Of like the formative something in his like background is like teaching him that. Well, and it's probably the church, but like <laughs> it's teaching him that. Um, like he has no control over his physical, like his physical impulses. And so it's on, and it just goes to the whole purity culture thing of like how women need to be covering themselves or else men are going to get too horny and they're going to get too, they can't just can't control themselves. And that's literally what you're, you're literally experiencing that. This man child is like, Mm -hmm. you can just, Oh, I can't be near you because you're, I'm just, I can't have control over my impulse. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's just, (laughs) he was a a fucking child and like, and just disgusting. Like, I, like you can't even like, you can't even dance with me at my own prom. Yeah. Like, cause then, Oh, well I can't, you know, I can't assault you right here. So, you know, (laughs) Like, no, like, he had no, it was all, like, no ownership or accountability, like, and, it, you know, I think it does go back to, like, you know, his super Orthodox Mormon roots and how he was taught about things, like, mm-hmm. I'll never forget, there was one time. Sexual creatures that, that he yeah. could use to get his mm-hmm. rocks off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, like, I mean, I'll never forget it, like, one time I, I bought, like, yoga pants so that I could, you know, exercise at the school gym and, you know, whatever. And and they were skinny ones, they didn't, whatever. And even my dad, I think my dad was there. And my ex was like, well, I mean, you wearing those just basically like you having like leggings as skin is like the same thing. Wow. My dad's like, yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, you see everything. And I'm like, <sighs> are you kidding me? Like, that's the most reckless, crazy crap I've ever heard in my life. And I felt so, I just felt so irritated by that. But um, I still bought them anyway. Um, Good for you. (laughs) So at the time with my friend, I was, you know, going through my, what I wanted to bring. And she looked at me like, you're not bringing that. You're not bringing this. Like, she's like, come on. You are young. You are beautiful. You are going to feel good. And what you Like, she was really, you know, she was always so empowered by, like, her mom and, um, you know, just raised to have confidence and love herself and her body. And I never really had that. It was always, like, a shame thing, you know. And um, and uh, so it was, you know, I would hear her parents or her mom do that with her. But it was, like, the first time where she was just like, no, you are not bringing this bag for <laughs> we are going to figure this out, you know? (laughs) And I was like, okay. So she helped me like repack, um, which was good. And I mean, when we got there too, like we would go shopping and I bought stuff I never thought I'd ever buy, you know, like dresses that were above my knee. And Oh my goodness. (laughs) I show that I have any kind of figure. Um, I love that you had that person. Um, that helped empower you and oh, yeah. helped I, you see yourself for who you are and take yeah. that control back. Oh yeah. I mean, she was a, she's like still like such a pivotal part of like my life and journey. And like, Good. I really think we're like soul sisters in a way. Like I think if there's some kind of like universe or larger force than us, which I don't really know. Like I think her being in my life was part of how I was going to get out of all this stuff. And mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, like, it was awesome. So it was. On that point, um, you had mentioned like when you, this is something that I just kind of, you said something that spoke to me that resonated that, um, when you put something out and you're just, and you suddenly start seeing signs, quote unquote, mm-hmm. like, or like literal signs, like you start seeing little posters about this program, you know, and then mm-hmm. like, I feel like when you put stuff out there, you you literally are manifesting Mm-hmm. for the universe to kind of to whether what it whatever it is if there's an actual higher power or if it's just you yourself manifesting mm-hmm. it there is uh, something to be said about how you put something out there and it'll the universe speaks back to you and it puts yeah. people in your path to like to get you in those to get you in those spaces i have a friend that um like when i was coming out it was 
like she was coming out of the church too but like our since then our paths have diverged and like um but i look back on our friendship as like something that was meant necessary for me to get on the path that i'm in now so um and it sounds like that's kind of like this was your out away from your ex it was your um it was a way for you to empower yourself and for you to um to truly find the strength within you that you always had but you just didn't know you had it because it kept getting pushed down away from you i appreciate that yeah it's like i don't know if you've read that book the alchemist which is all oh yeah you know? it's so says, good it's been a while really, i think it's something like when you really want something or have that desire the universe will conspire to help you and, and that's you know manifesting in a way and like it was the first time in my life where i actually just like realized like i manifested this whole thing <laughs> like yeah. I, I had the desire like a pure desire worked my ass off like everything kind of felt like kind of just magically fell into place and and you know um you know like i even had a relative who on my dad's side who i, I didn't really like have a super like close relationship with or anything um they were a little they were always more um i guess partial or or, or just more involved with my little sister um they had like the same year I think it was my spring break in college though like they invited me to like go on a cruise with my sister and them and and then from there she was like oh do you need help with your Ireland trip and she she helped me with my Ireland trip they're pretty wealthy and it was like a blessing because it was almost like the exact amount I needed that I didn't have Um, so I didn't have to like pull out like crazy loans or anything and and like I don't it was just yeah just things started playing out for this experience and I remember being scared because I didn't know what was gonna happen I felt um like I remember we went to orientation at some other college and like everybody's going was there and you got to meet your professors and stuff and it was really exciting but I remember this weird part of me um kind of like when I first started school like college like I felt like my body needed to like detox or something I just like cried like I don't know like almost the whole way home (laughs) oh (laughs) and like I didn't have a really reason why like I was excited I didn't think you know I wasn't like oh my gosh I don't want to go it was like no I really want to go but it was like almost like my body purging these things that I was holding in and surviving for so long and it was almost like my body wanted to have like kind of a fresh release yeah mm-hmm. and um yeah so we we go and i mean it's still i think one of the best times of my whole life i'd like you know my best friend and i had a flat with two other girls that are now like some of my best friends too we got to see like and experience just all these amazing places and castles and historic sites and somehow you know again could be just like serendipitous or whatever but like a lot of these sites that we would go to for class or for you know the program would be places like my mom would go to as well and like so I got to feel connected to her and I literally had pictures I had taken on my phone of photos of like where she was and so I would, I got to take pictures of myself in the same places. Oh, that's so cool. And um, there was like a particular like uh, field trip we did to um, the Blarney Castle grounds. It's a really amazing, cool place to go. And the Blarney Stone and all yeah. that. Like, did, did you, you got to kiss the Blarney. Did you do it? Oh yeah, oh, yeah for sure. Okay. I mean, you you go up to, it's really, it's not, like, the stone is tiny, it's just attached to the castle, but, like, you know, you you see these old, like, Irish dudes with their canes and little hats sitting kind of on the bench, like, below, like, oh, I pissed on it this morning, and, oh, you better better bring some some Windex up there, oh, oh, other tourists kissing this damn stone, like, you know, it's, like, (laughs) so funny, like, I was just, like, yeah, I'm doing it, because my mom did it, and I wanted to do it, too, and, you know, my friends were super supportive, even, like, the one that was claustrophobic, like, did it with me, because there's these tiny little stairs you have to go up the tunnel, yeah, Um, but on our way to it, 
there's like, you know, gardens and, you know, all these streams. It's beautiful. Um, like, I think it's a working farm as well. Um, and everywhere you go in Ireland, it feels like, especially like in nature or some of the little towns, pretty much everywhere, I guess, like, it feels like there's always a soundtrack. There's somebody playing some kind of music somewhere. Oh. And it's magical. Like, it's just like, and um, we're approaching the entrance for like to get to the castle. There's like a little bridge, and and there's this woman who just decided, she was gonna start, I guess, her set or whatever. And um, he had like a violin. It was just her, and um, she started playing my mom's funeral song. Oh. And I just remember I didn't catch it quite yet. I just I just remember starting to hear the music and. A friend I was with who didn't know anything really about me at the time. She was just, you know, met on the trip, whatever. And um, she was walking with me for whatever reason. And she's like, I don't know why, but I just feel like this song is for you. Like, I don't know what, to, I just don't know why. And I stopped and we go over closer to her, the lady playing. And I realized it was my mom's song. And I just had this, like, almost like wind, like, hit me hard or like cold water hit me hard or something and I just felt this insane like beaming feeling of like happiness and joy and like you know like what you're supposed to feel when like when you're you know like yeah. all the time at church they tell me I was supposed to feel these things at church you know and I never did but like this random woman was playing my mom's like one of my most favorite songs the song that was played at her funeral just beautifully like on her little violin like i just felt like she's with me today in some form and that's, i just cried and yeah that was beautiful the and while you were ta- saying that i was thinking about how the church thinks it has this like uh monopoly on spiritual mm-hmm. experiences and like the holy ghost is the only and you only have you have to be worthy for that and you have to like have these like you have to go through all these things to have those spiritual experiences and they discredit anybody else that has spiritual experiences as something like, Oh, well, it's just like like God would forbid me to have them because I didn't have this, this, this. And yeah, you know, I wasn't, I was out of, out of the church since I was like 17. So I wasn't like going or anything. The only time I ever was forced to go is something involved my ex and his mom, just crazy crap. But like, it was the first time in my life. Like I felt that, feeling and really like sincerely it wasn't manufactured it wasn't like it just I don't know I still don't know how to describe it it was just this I felt almost like there was this warm light in my chest and I I teared up and my friend hugged me and then we I don't know we just we both felt it and we just kept we kept going and as we're going into the castle I can still hear it still hear it oh. and it it ended right when basically i think she stopped playing in general after i had kissed like i just kissed the stone then you heard like a break oh so wow had it the whole time perfect tired and wow that's so cool and it's you can't help but think that that's just a message from your your mother you yeah. know and like that it was yeah yeah, and I just, I remember when I got back to our flat, I, like, I don't even know if I still have access to it. I had, like, a like a personal blog, this journal thing, and I remember writing it all out so my Nana could see it, and um, my Nana was so excited, and, and just little things like that. That was the main, like, a really major thing, but, like, little things like that would happen throughout the whole trip, like, like, I would, you know, that I would feel close to her, and feel her with me and like like there was a day we went to like one of the cliffs like cliffs of more like the more it's more famous one um oh yeah stayed at this beautiful little airbnb like in this little tiny town <laughs> and uh it was like fourth of july of all days but we they were like oh it might be really foggy you might not be able to see you know but i was like i'm we're still going like i don't care like we're gonna do this and you know my best friend of course was so supportive of like anything I wanted to do she was just like totally we're doing it you know and uh and when we arrived 
we got on the little bus and we got us up there. And once we arrived, all of a sudden, the fog started to clear. Everything oh, started to clear. And it got, it was a beautiful, sunny, not hot day. The wildflowers started to like really shine. And, and yeah, it was, the, it was like the clearest day you could have had. And um, oh. it was just really, yeah, we walked the same little path my mom did and got the same kind of similar pictures. And um, yeah, there's just so many experiences like that. And then N plus two, it was like the first time in my life where I, was doing something for me like I wasn't taking care of my dad I wasn't taking care of siblings I wasn't you know being abused <laughs> by my ex like I had I wasn't you know working I mean I was going to school but it was like fun like everything we did was fun like I mean even Irish lit which was like the class was like super hard but like it was fun because we would go to these places like where Oscar Wilde you know lived or or like Tintern Abbey where you know what's his name wrote that poem and it was like it was like fun work you know like it was yeah it and was, a very immersive experience too yeah. like within the culture like and educating no. and yeah that's it so was cool. awesome and even the university like the days we were in a classroom it was just like look at where we're at like what the heck like these glass windows I can see like the ocean I can see like oh, little towns like I don't know um, but, uh, yeah, it was like the first time in my life, it was like something that was just all for me and I felt very selfish, but I, I kind of just tried to ignore that feeling and just, just I, I was kind of like high on the, the whole thing. <laughs> it was great. And like, I remember my ex was like, you know, trying to text me the whole time, wanted me to call him every day and all these things. And then I got to a point where like, there was one day he really upset me and it made me mad that he like ruined that day for me. We were like, we went to like a beautiful, like Catholic, old Catholic church and it was supposed to be like a really awesome day. And it still was, but like he tainted it and it made me angry. So I turned off my phone. Good. I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not responding to this person. Like I, I just was like, no, he can't do anything to me here. Like, you know, <laughs> and I just kind of let, like he, I not, was not thrilled, but like, so I just, for the most part, like avoided any kind of texts or calls from him. I just kept, we were busy anyway, so I'm not doing this. And so I just, yeah, let, started letting it go. And um, we would go out to different pubs. It was like, and meet different people. And and I wasn't self-conscious about, like, what I looked like or should I be this or wear this or not this. Like, my friends would be like, no, you're wearing that skirt. No, you're doing this. You're doing that. And, um and, you know, I was told for so long, like, my ex was the only one that would love me. And, like, I never felt really beautiful or anything like that. But I was getting a lot of attention over there. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. It was really nice. I mean, it was nice to be kind of, like, I, I don't know, treated nicely and, and you know, kind of... I don't know, have these, like, there was, like, British guys that were, like, like, you know, wanting to hang out with us and kind of very flattering and <laughs> to woo us and stuff, and it's just, like, fun. I just felt like the first time, like, I was an actual 21-year-old, and, like, I felt pretty, and I felt, like, I don't know, like, I felt like this is what life is supposed to feel like. Like, life's never always going to, it's not always going to be easy and stuff, but, like, I, this, this kind of thing, like, I should, this should be a joyful thing, like, you know, I, this feels good to not, like, hate myself, (laughs) Um, and have a say, like, you know, they never, those guys, even though they were, like, interested in us, like, and stuff for me, like, they never crossed lines, they never, you know, it was, like, I felt so free, I felt so, like what I felt mattered, what I wanted mattered, what I didn't want mattered. Um, yeah, it was just like a whole. I just felt like a almost like a rebirth, or like a, or just found who I really was underneath, you know, all this stuff. And it was just like one of the best trips of my whole life. Like, really was. It saved me in so many ways. I mean, 
well, and the friendships I made and the experiences and um, stuff like this. Yeah. Um, stuff like this makes me think of you know the the lotus flower how it um it blooms in the mud like it comes it comes out from the mud and I just I think of this as like this is your lotus flower experience mm-hmm. you know you something beautiful coming out of such you know terrible circumstances and you're able to finally blossom and see yourself for not just like not some property that your ex made you feel like or not some yeah. not some anchor that your um your family kind of made you feel like of like oh well you're just you know making this all about yourself and you're just like you're you're just sad all the time and you're you've been you're just focusing on your mom's death and all that stuff it's more it this was this was you taking control, taking the wheel, and like becoming the becoming you. And so, yeah, I think it's beautiful. It was just, I mean, there's so many little stories I could share, but I don't have time. But it's just like those are some of the main ones, and I get emotional just thinking about that whole trip because I, it really did save me. And like, I, my mom loved literature and writing too. So like, I remember her telling me about these different poems and different things. And we actually got to experience it. And then we got to go to like a famine graveyard um, and, like wow. a fam- and like a famine boat. Like, and I have ancestors that rode that boat apparently when I look, we were looking at everything. Like, got to go to JFK's family's house. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, I was going to ask if you had, you had Irish, like you mentioned this in the, uh, yeah. in our last time talking, you have Irish heritage, correct? And yeah, so- like my grandpa. Yeah, so, like, his dad, they had to come over to back to, like, they had to come to America, New York, through Ellis Island because of IRA suspicion. So, like, my family history is very much tied to that and that whole, and it was cool to, like, go through all that history and, like, see things and, like, understand what the troubles were and, like, it just made more sense. It, It gave me a lot of empathy for, like, my grandfather and, like, what he went through and, like, why he was the way he was and... And like, and just appreciation for my history in general. Like it was, and then I'll, I just I could understand like why my mom was so like happy and loved going there. And it felt like home, and it still does. Like I miss it all the time. Like I end up going back again, but um, oh good. It, it was it was like my home. I didn't want to leave. Like if I would have known that was going to be my experience, I would have not bought the plane ticket home. I would have like stayed and traveled more. But I just didn't have that. Uh, it was already kind of. The plane tickets were, you know, going back. My, you know, and my best friend, you know, who <laughs> had never been away from her family that long before, and she was ready to go back home. I think she was. She has a little more healthier home life, so she was ready to go back. So I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I got to go back because she's going back, you know. Um, and uh, but I was not ready to. I was scared to go back. Yeah. Because I got a message or email or something. Like, I think it was, like, the day we were going to go leave for the airport to go back. Um, like, my ex sent, like, oh, you're coming to Arizona when you get back. And this is your ticket and this is this and all that. I already had told my dad, no, at no yes or no. Like, it was just, like, this is what you're doing. And I was terrified. Wow. I was terrified. And I, I get home and it was weird because I, I felt like I went through this whole life-changing experience and then I, felt, I came back home and everything was the same. Like, it was really disorienting and I was jet-lagged. Um, and I remember being like, holy crap, like, I have, like, this is still here, like, and my dad was like, I'm really bummed that you're leaving right away, like, I missed you, I want to see you. And I was like, I know, I, I'm sorry, I didn't even... I think I was a little bit more open at that point. I was like, I didn't even know until, you know, yesterday. And my dad kind of looked at me like, like he was confused. And I was like, but, you know, so I go super jet lagged. So I'm like, you know, Ireland from Atlanta was, what, seven hours ahead? So now I'm going back, like, (laughs) (laughs) 